Welcome to the Professions Podcast. This is John Lachlan. This is the first episode of the Professions Podcast, so welcome to all of you, our listeners. The idea of this podcast is to learn the personal stories behind many professions. Um, these are professions that you may know quite a bit about and some that you may know nothing about. I know uh, for me it's a learning experience no matter what, and I hope it is for you as well. Our first guest on the podcast will be Cesar Madera. He's a magician in Southwest Florida. He's a specialist in close-up and street magic, and as you'll hear, he draws heavily from magicians like David Blaine in his act. He is not a full-time magician yet, but as you'll hear in the episode, he hopes to continue to grow in his profession. I aim to bring this podcast to you completely commercial-free, save for one. I'm actually the owner of Halyard Soap Company, and I plan to be the only sponsor of this show. So at the beginning of each episode, I'll give a brief snippet about Halyard Soap Company. If you want to support the podcast, please just go to our website at halyardsoaps.com and check out our products. That's the best way to get in touch and to support this show. Once again, that's H-A-L-L-I-A-R-D soaps.com. For those of you who are not familiar with the brand, as I suspect many of you aren't, I'll give you a brief little synopsis of what we do. Halyard Soap Company specializes in grooming products designed for the modern man. Our products are inspired by professions, new and old, and bear the namesake of their inspiration. To learn more about our story and our products, you can visit us on the web at halyardsoaps.com. You can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Just search for Halyard Soap Company. And now for the first episode of our podcast, I give you Caesar Madera. My guest today is Caesar Madera. Caesar, how are you? Doing really well. How are you, John? I'm good. Thank you for asking. So, for those of us who do not know what you do, um, you are a magician. We know that much. But can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the the magic scene and sort of where you're at with it right now? Just kind of a brief synopsis of your career so far. Yeah, it's a uh, it's definitely in its early stages. So uh, I'm a magician, and um, you know, for a while I tried you know other titles because magic and magician, the way it is in society today, is. Uh, is you know it, it's it's an art form that's kind of stuck in the 80s for the most part it's gotten a lot better and i'll get into that later but uh when you hear magician the, the i i would assume seven out of ten people would you know think of uh top hat and rabbits and uh ribbons and uh, you know the like so uh but I, i've stuck with it because I've, I've found that it's the simplest and uh so i'm a magician and and the style of magic i perform is um very much influenced by david blaine when he came out you know in 1999 with street magic uh, so that kind of became a, a category on its own. So street magic is essentially, um, it's a little bit more cool, a little bit more modern, and it, it's uh, a little bit more respectful to the audience as well, because uh, you're not really, if you look at some old performances years ago, decades ago, it kind of, uh, it's a little bit absurd, like, you know, what you're trying to make your audience believe. But um, so it's essentially magic that's done uh, anywhere, right, in your face, close up, with anything, mostly playing cards, but, um, you know, hence the word street. So, uh, so I've been doing that for a while on and off and, and it's been, you know, really this past year that I've been trying to, um, uh, kind of do it, uh, in different venues, uh, different, uh, cocktail parties, uh, business meetings, and I'm slowly growing and it's, uh, it's very exciting. Uh, how I got into it, um, well, uh, I got into it a while ago. I was probably 11 years old. Um, and, you know, since then, it's just been like a steady interest, just like film or uh, technology, anything like that. Right. So so you said you saw the David Blaine special in 1999. And just to date you a little bit, that you were probably, what, eight or nine years old? Probably. 
I I don't think I saw it when it came out. Uh, I, I think I saw it probably a few years after that. Um, I think I saw it in an entirety, uh, I would say around 2003 or 2004. Uh, and then I started looking up everything else he had. Um, but it was really that special. I, I had always an interest in magic, but Blaine, uh, like many performers my age, uh, he kind of uh, awoken uh, this like, uh, wow, like you don't have to have a stage show and thousands of dollars to do magic and, and you can right. do this. You can be you can do this in recess. You can do this on a lunch break. And and because of that, too, that like organic uh, mobile aspect of it, uh, it uh, it's such a good icebreaker because you can be at a party on a cruise. Um, so it's actually very similar to the way technology has shifted. Um, you know, in the 90s, we had big computers at our house. And then now, now more and more, we're doing everything on our phones. Uh, so magic has kind of gone mobile as right. well, which is kind of exciting. So you mentioned that you know you you sort of wanted to get past the idea of a magician in a top hat, um, a big stage show that requires a lot of setting up and a lot of assistance and sort of this faraway magic. I, and I I have to admit when I was kind of coming up with ideas for this podcast and and ideas for questions, I'm like I don't know the magic nomenclature and <laughs> the. The extent of my knowledge about magic comes actually from Arrested Development, where obviously Job is the magician in the family. But he, he refuses to call them tricks. He always calls them illusions. So, I mean, would you call the, would you call what you do, are, are, are they tricks? Are they illusions? Or is it a performance? Like, how do you, in your, in your own words, what would you say it is? Or what would David Blaine say that his magic is like? Uh, yeah, I'm really glad you bring up uh, Arrested Development because that is exactly, and I love that. That's fine because that is the modern representation of, um, you know, uh, cheesy magic or uh, what unsuccessful magic looks like, I guess. But uh, you know, uh, that that's to some extent um, something that uh, it doesn't annoy me, but it's it's more so it's like a stereotype, right? Like you can say, um, yeah, I'm I'm in a band and I'm a guitar player, and then people might immediately go to thinking like, uh, you know, you. I don't know. You dropped out of college or something. I don't know. But uh, it really depends on the perception and where people come from. Uh, it's definitely very different in very different countries because I, my family comes from Dominican Republic and magic there is perceived very differently as it is like in the United States. But um, yeah. Really? So what what do you mean by that? Like it's, it's you know, it's... What, what is it like there versus here? Well, the here? thought of uh, somebody making a living off magic or uh, being considered an artist, but... Um, what they do is magic instead of music or acting is, is non-existent there. Um, and that's definitely something I kind of want to push the envelope on because I visit the country often. I have a lot of family there and, um, I would love to be, there have been many performers I respect already, like Wayne Houchin and Daniel Garcia and, and uh, Dan White. They, they have, they're American magicians and they've gone there uh, to do shows, but, um, but it's not very common. It's not very, so every time I go there, it's almost like a magic special edition because, um, they may have heard of something on TV or whatever, but it's it, even in it, with youth, it's not really practiced. Whereas here in the United States, it's still a niche category. It's not like you know a lot of magicians or, or people who practice magic, but it's definitely more common. Every time there's a new Blaine special, th there's probably a thousand or two thousand kids who you know want to get up and start practicing magic. But um, to, to your sure. other question about uh, what would I call them, I, I, tricks is like the you know the 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 go-to word for them, uh, so I kind of go with it sometimes. But um, I tend to call them effects, and um, and it, it's kind of the way it makes sense to me is um, when you 
buy a movie, and then you uh, you, you you pop the uh, well back in the day you would pop in the second disc. But now you just look at the the extras. Um, they sure. they tend to call what they do special effects, and it's it's uh, they're both to a certain extent like an illusion on in a film. Um, it's not really surprising. We kind of already know how it's done, but it's still an illusion. Like if you watch a uh, Captain America movie or Avengers, they're not really doing those things. It's still you know trickery. Um, and in magic, it's it's very similar. It's just an effect that's in your in real life, like a, a special effect that's that's in front of you. And so, so I right, it's happening happening in real happening time. Happening in real time, yeah. So I, I I call them effects, but it's not like I'm offended or anything with the word trick. Um, though trick sometimes um, it, it makes magic look like my job is to fool you, and then point at you and laugh at you. And and there are some people who don't like magic because they. Uh, they feel that's the purpose of it, and really, the purpose of magic is just to kind of inspire and create like this amazing moment, like like you just got off a roller coaster or you just experienced a concert. Like that, that's the point of magic. And what's so special about it is I I don't have to go to those places. I can do it in your living room or at a bar, and it's 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 amazing. So um, it's definitely not to uh, make a statement to say that I'm smarter than you because you don't know how I just did that. No, it's really just let me share this moment of, of awe and make you feel like you're a kid again. Um, and really just my goal is always just to, you know, create laughter and, and have people just uh, feel uncomfortable around each other and, and enjoy the moment. That's really all it is. It's not really to make a statement. Yeah. It's interesting to hear you say that some people are really uncomfortable with the idea of being fooled by a magician or a magic trick. I was listening to Penn Gillette from Penn and Teller on, I think one of his podcasts, um, and he was talking about how he really didn't like the magicians who actually tried to get people to believe that what they were witnessing was supernatural. Um, he wanted to be very clear that what he was performing for you was just an illusion. It's it's nothing more than that. Um, in other words, he won't tell you what he does to do his trick, but he wants you to know that this is not real, that this is just an illusion, that this is something that's clever that you came up with. So I'm assuming that you're firmly in that camp as opposed to someone who, like... Um, uh, an, an illusionist who actually thinks that you know pe- he wants people to think he's actually bending spoons with his mind or something like that. It sounds to me like you're more on the practical end of yeah, it. Yeah, there's um, as opposed to the mystical. There's a end. gray area. Sometimes you you uh, uh, you're, you're doing an effect that's a little bit more uh, personal, but it's not like a card effect, and um, it really just depends on where the audience takes you, uh, the spectators, because if they roll with the fact that wow, like this is is this real or is it like a trick? Sometimes I go with it, not too much, but I, yeah, I'm uh, the majority of the time with that camp. Um, magic, uh, as far as like what a performer does, isn't actually real in the sense that, um, you know, I can't actually, uh, let's be real, like unless there's like, <laughs> some, like a little kid listening on the podcast, I can't actually uh, throw a card through a window, but... What do you What do you mean? You can't. You mean you can't put a card inside of somebody's body and then make it yeah, come out. Yeah, but the the but it is real in the sense that there's a lot of hard work that went behind how I actually achieved it, and I can actually do it somehow. And it 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 appears to be uh, that appears to be the effect. Whereas like you know back in the 2000s, actually not too, like 2006, Chris Angel became very popular on TV, and. Um, I'm not making any accusations, but that's when uh, the the world started seeing magic as like camera tricks, at least television magic, 
broadcast magic. So that's more on the side of this is a camera trick. This is more. I'm not. Uh, well, I don't know, right? So I don't want to make any accusations. I I, I think Chris is is a great performer, um, and he has a really good show at the Luxor in Las Vegas. But um, that that was really the first time I remember where people started accusing television magic as like um, as trickery or, or in a sense of um, you know kind of going back to the movie metaphor as like special effects. Whereas he's not actually doing this trick, but it's really edited to make it appear that way. So, um, you know, going back to the practicality of Penn & Teller, um, what we do, Penn & Teller, myself, and Blaine, and I'm sure Chris as well, is real in the sense that we had to put a lot of hard work into um, into creating this deception. Um, but it's obviously not real in the sense of like, I'm not Harry Potter and there's no, uh, I'm not a wizard or there's no spells, you know what I mean? So, um, right, so yes, right. I, I, to answer your question, yeah, I, I definitely fall in that camp. Uh, and that's what makes it special. Hey, I'm a regular guy. I just have two hands and here is a deck of 52 cards and look at how skilled I am. I can make it appear as if I'm doing this. Wow. That's, isn't that cool? Yeah. Right. Well, I have to say as someone who has witnessed like firsthand your, your, um, your effects, I mean, it's. It's pretty incredible, and I'm always sort of on the side of like, oh, I'm gonna catch him this time. I'm I'm gonna pay attention to what he's doing. He's gonna make a mistake. I'm gonna find it, and I have yet to be fooled, or I've yet, I'm sorry, I've yet to spot where um, the trick comes in. I mean, it's it, I'm always blown away by by what you do, and also other close-up magicians. I was at a party um, last week, and he was doing the same kind of thing, and it was. Same thing. I'm like, I, I'm gonna find it. I'm gonna find where this guy makes the mistake. I'm gonna see it, and not once in the whole evening did I see anything. So I think you're right. I think it is something. I mean, it's definitely a skill, but it's 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 definitely something to show off to someone that you know, look look what I can do right in front of your face, and you won't even notice. And you know what's uh, what's amazing about that too is it's a really hard skill to show off because. Um, the better you are at magic, the less people will see. <laughs> you right. know, if you're a really good basketball player, oh, let's go to a court. Let me show you how good of a basketball right, player exactly. I am. But if I'm really, really good at magic, you're not supposed to see anything. And that's a, that's a that's really hard uh, when it comes to you know you wanting other people to appreciate you and your, and your talent. But uh, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So and that kind of you know the, the, the mentioning the hard work that goes into it, um, that kind of leads me to my next question. So. I, from where I'm sitting, I can see two sort of avenues you would take. Uh, one is learning a trick or modifying a trick that's already been done from another magician or illusionist or whoever. And then the other is creating a brand new trick, creating something that has never been done before. Cre- new effect, sorry. Um, so no, so tell us a little bit about those. Uh, start with learning a trick first or modifying an existing trick. What does that process look like? And of course, I don't want to, you know, have you ruin anything for us, but just generally, what are we looking at when we when you're when you're learning a trick for the first time? Well, um, and yeah, no, I appreciate the uh, the discretion, but uh, so when you're learning a trick, um, and I'll at least focus in card magic because that's that's kind of uh, my expertise. Um, card card magic is really made up of a lot of different slights, and a slight is essentially a move. You can look at it that way, like uh, dribbling a basketball or um, cutting hair with scissors. And a trick or an effect is essentially a lot of different slights uh, put together in a sequence. And then once you have those down, you uh, you know what, what's the makeup, what's the polish on it? You you focus on the presentation and the delivery. So um, uh, the, the the perception, especially I had when I was getting into magic, was that you had these effects, and I learned it great. 
but really, um, you, you don't really learn effects. You learn uh, a lot of different moves and slights. And as you get better at them, um, you can kind of put them together like Legos and uh, create your thing. So when you're a beginner, um, definitely it's about learning existing things. When it comes to creating yourself, that, it's tricky because you can go two routes with creating. Um, you're either practicing and you do something on accident and and you and you, you're like, wait a minute, oh, but what if? Wait, what did I just do? So you, ac- oh, oh you gosh, accidentally come up this. with a slight. You accidentally come up with exactly a slight, okay. exactly. And and then you can say, well, what is that closest to? That's similar to this, but the 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 advantage of this one over that one. Oh my god, okay. What if I put this in an existing uh, performance? I do. Wait a minute, I can go this route. And and so it's um if this whole there's a whole generation out there of like uh, kids that play Minecraft and uh, do a lot of different um, things that allow them to be meticulous with their their you know train of thought and magic is very very similar it, there, there's a lot of different building blocks and you can really <clears throat> spend a whole afternoon just uh going a lot a lot of different ways but the other way you can do it too is the much harder way um you rather than running into something on accident uh you s- sit down and you say what i want to do is this right and then you have to say all right now how can i accomplish it and that's usually the much longer because that that takes a lot more um, brainstorming and you know pondering. So, uh, so it's very well, interesting. Well, and that kind of sure. brings it back to David Blaine, who I'm vaguely familiar with. It seems like he's making sort of a resurgence as of late. Um, but it, it, when I'm watching him and he kind of describes how he goes through the process, it seems to me like he spends, I mean, months or years. He knows what he wants to do, kind of like your second uh, route there. He knows what he wants to do, and it takes him a long time to sort of get it to where he feels like it's polished enough that he can put it out. Um, and I know, obviously, he's famous for, you know, holding his breath underwater, and I've seen him put, you know, uh, metal spikes through his arm, and his latest one is regurgitating a frog. And I, I heard something about the frog <laughs> trick, about how he he had to contact the person that he saw do it for the first time, and he had to train for, like, a year in order to, to do that Um that trick. So Absolutely. I think, I mean, that's, that's a real dedication to the craft. So have you, have you come up with anything from scratch? Have you sat down and said, I want to do this and I, I don't know how I'm going to get there, but I'm just going to figure out as I go. I have, I, and I've also looked at other performances, especially from Blaine. And I've thought, well, you know, how can I make that my own? Like, how can I place my own brand on it? Um, that way I'm not just, you know, David Blaine greatest hits in in, in this body. Sure. <laughs> so, uh, I it, that's really important. You want to make sure um, it, it's very easy to fall in the trap of um, trying to become someone else. And so that's why sometimes I kind of detach myself from the industry and, and just focus on um, creating myself, but also making adding my own flavor to different effects. And and when I come back, I, I come back original as opposed to, you know, when you're young and starting out, you tend, you should have seen some photos. Like I, when I was in high school, I was exactly like David Blaine. I would try to talk <laughs> like him. I would try to dress like him. I had the same haircut. Um, I, it was uh, kind of embarrassing now that I think about it. And anyone who was in high school with me uh, will know. Um, but, uh, but you know, uh, that's, that's, that's when you're growing up, you, you, if you want to play baseball, you have a baseball player you look up to, um, or an actor or something. And, and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that happened that way because I was able to then find myself, um, through, through other performers like Blaine, um, and, and Blaine, you mentioned the underwater stunts and, and the frogs, you know, the, the frog effect, it was on his latest special called, um, beyond magic that, going back into the real or magic territory that that is a hundred percent like that's not an illusion you know he did go to uh, a, a foreign country and 
he found a guy that could, uh, you know, inhale a lot of water and then spit it out at will. Then he started in 2009. He started playing with like a goldfish. Um, right. I sort of remember know, that. Uh, swallow a goldfish, you know, regurgitate it. And lately, you know, his signature thing is is frogs. And um, and that really is not, as far as I understand, that's not an illusion. That's just because he part of his title. He's an endurance artist, and so well, and that's you know the, the holding. That's yeah. what I've heard is that it's. I mean, how could it be an illusion, right? I mean, he's sitting there on like Jimmy Fallon. He's talking. He's doing these other these other effects, and then all of a sudden he just has this frog that comes out of his. I mean, there's there's no way it's not really happening. But I think that's what's more fascinating to people is that it's like, did I did I really just see that? Like, did that actually just happen in front of me? Uh, you know, no camera tricks, no nothing. Or uh, maybe he's the grand magician, and he uh, maybe it is an illusion. And the whole thing of him traveling to another country and finding a villager is part of that, the trick to make you believe it absolutely, is what, yeah. if, what if that was a case. Right, right. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of routes. I don't know. We will probably never know. But it's very fascinating to like think of theories as to how, how far he's going to push the envelope of, of being a performer. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's amazing. And um, so, I mean, talking about you know how he allegedly, if, if we're going with the theory that he actually went to a foreign country and did this, I mean, he spent upwards of a couple of years um, doing these perfecting these tricks really so how long does it take you um let's just say if you're kind of modifying some existing slights and putting them together how many hours of practice does it take you before you're comfortable enough to say all right i'm going to roll this out i'm going to try it on some friends i'm going to see if this kind of works in real life the way i think it should yeah i think there was a quote uh, i read a long time ago that said uh <clears throat> you're a professional at something if you uh, do it for ten thousand hours um but that's not really the case with like a trick uh i definitely practice a lot if I were to describe it, it's really muscle memory. So um, I want to make sure that the physical part of what I'm performing is second to none. Like I can do it while thinking or doing something else. So that that is really where the majority of the the practice goes into. I practice a slight and, and several effects just you know while watching TV. I always have a deck of cards in my hands um, in the kitchen, wherever, uh, just to get the muscle memory down of what I physically have to do while you know. The audience is looking at something else. Once I have that down, it's amazing because I can do that in my sleep and I can now focus on their body language, what they're saying, uh, what's going on around me. As you know, street magic, you it's like uh, filming a film gorilla style. Like you are, you can be anywhere and you can have tons of people around you. So you have to make sure you are uh, kind of aware of, of anything that could potentially harm or. Uh, make your effect greater. So unlike stage magic, where it's almost like watching a movie, everything is prepared. There's really nothing that can go wrong other than yourself. With street magic, you have a lot of distractions and a lot of uh, a lot of uh, you know things in your surroundings that can do that. So so first for me, a lot of hours, a lot of practice in um, uh, you know the muscle memory behind the slate with the deck of cards, things like that. Uh, as far as how long, I would say probably four to six weeks because. I don't want to go out there and um, I'm really excited. I can't wait to perform this new thing. But then, you know, it's kind of average. You want to make sure it's it's polished and good. And, and even then, when you start performing it, you're never really good at it because you're, you're always making it better and better. I don't, I don't believe there's ever someone who does something perfectly. You're always improving it. Right. So, uh, so that's kind of my thought behind well, it. Well, and um, something you said just a minute ago kind of reminded me, of again, of Penn & Teller. You're talking about doing that on the street and you've got this – you know, this kind of open air audience and anybody can kind of come up at any time and they can say whatever they want. And, and, you know, I mean, short of like grabbing you and wrestling you to the ground, I'm sure there's a lot of things that can interrupt a trick pretty severely. 
and I know that there's a term, I, th I believe it's just called an out, like you're having an out for a trick. So do you have multiple outs when you're doing something on the street? If you if something goes a little bit wrong, do you have another way of getting out of that trick and still making it look good? Um, or is it sort of, I mean, do you get stuck at a dead end? Is there a way that, you know, oh, that's been ruined because someone did so-and-so or did something? Um, I mean, what does that look like? Is is there a way to get stuck in a trick? There, There is if... Um if you don't have a lot of experience. So when you're starting out, um, you have you pretty much have a limited tool set and sometimes you hit a dead end and, and the best thing to do is to kind of say, well, you know, it doesn't always work out, so let's maybe try another one. But as you get more and more experience, absolutely, there are tons of outs. Uh, you have a plan B and a C. It's, it's almost like dancing. Uh, let's say you're not too good at a dance. <clears throat> you start out. Um, uh, or maybe a better metaphor is like a, being in a conversation, like on a first date. Um, there's always your mind is always a step ahead, um, especially if you're someone who, uh, there's a saying out there, like you, you listen uh, to be able to respond right away. Like you're not, not a really good listener, but you're just ready to respond. Um, not a good thing to do in conversation, always be a good listener. But in magic, you kind of have to do that because when you're performing, at the end of the day, what your spectators are saying and, and your audience is saying, um, it's relatively the same every time you perform for a different person. So you kind of, you learn to, to mute that a little bit and start planning your minds. All right, so uh, based on this person here, this person here, what's, what can I do here? But uh, the goal is always to um, uh, execute plan A. And then if that doesn't go through, then you can kind of fall back. But um, if you focus always on uh, reaching your goal, this could be with anything, with like a career or anything, um, and you don't really think of a plan B, uh, chances are you will do whatever it takes to reach plan A. Um, that and you, you want to be prepared. Uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes is, "Luck favors uh, those who are prepared." You know, there's really no such thing as luck. It's just how much work did you put into it. So I think as a magician, if you practice enough and you you, you feel confident that you can execute it, um, always aim for that plan A. And then you know, if something were to happen, uh, yeah, absolutely. Behind the scenes, wise, there is always uh, a plan B or a C. Sometimes I some of the best tricks I've performed like on tape or on, on camera, um, they were actually like a plan B, but you have to make sure that your transitions are smooth so that you can make it seem like that was your plan all along to do this. Um, and then later on, you know, and nobody knows. Right. right? So yeah, I mean, the, it's very the entire goal is to make it so that the audience never knew that that was the plan B or plan C. Exactly. Um, it should just seem, exactly. seem natural. So, um, I, I think we touched a little bit on this earlier, but what are some misconceptions about the industry? Um, what annoys you? What bothers you about doing it? Maybe not doing magic necessarily, but what what are some pitfalls in the uh, in the magic arena that you've come across? Well, misconceptions wise, um, I think people think it's uh, touching back on the talent piece. Like the better you are at magic, the less people really know or see. Um, people think it's pretty easy to just learn what you just did. And so um, oftentimes you'll hear, uh, where do you learn this? Like you just go on YouTube uh, or you'll hear like, uh, you know, uh, are, are, you're using, those are good, like trick cards, like cool, where can I buy them? Things like that. So uh, magic, and it, you know, every job has its pet peeves. Um, so it, it's not like I'm complaining or anything, but um, sometimes with magic, uh, the, the word magic, it, it's, you know, you could say, hey, I... Uh, own a, uh, a company that uh, has 
premium hair products. Oh, okay, cool. What's your website? Or you could say, I'm a magician. That can go in a ton of different directions, and you kind of have to do some some explaining or redeeming yourself to make sure they understand what how serious you are about it. So um, the thing with magic is you have to uh, you have to kind of uh, uh, be open to that because they don't know. And um, and here, here's a misconception. So playing cards. Um, when you think of playing cards, for the majority of people, it's it's a household item, kind of like a, I don't, a lamp or a box of matches. But um, when you th- when you think of an accessory, a, an accessory can be your watch or your wallet or uh, your your cologne, um, uh, your tie. Uh, to a performer, playing cards are an accessory. They're not just like a commodity. So um, if if playing cards are your tool. You know, if you're a stylist and scissors are your tool, if playing cards are the thing you're holding all day, you want to make sure that they are uh, really good playing cards. So um, we can take things into consideration that uh, laymen don't, like uh, the the card stock. Like, what's the thickness on the the card? The 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 finish? How smooth are they? Um, and then at the end, finally, is the design. Right? We don't want to just have to stare at a square with like regular old like red and blue you know angels on a bicycle we want to make sure we're using things that are a little bit classier you know um when you go to a party you want you want to make sure your tie or your your shoes or your belt are maybe unique they express what you're trying to uh the message you're trying to send across so with playing cards it's the same thing um there's there's uh, a secret it's not really a secret but there's a whole industry of designer playing cards they they range in so many designs um and more importantly the quality behind them is great and so there's so much craftsmanship that's put into the box the playing cards the 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 performance the durability how long you know i i perform out of southwest florida there's so much humidity so we want to make sure they last you a long time and um and then you get to performing and uh, a layman sees they don't see blue or red angels on bicycles and uh and they say hey Oh, these must be trick cards because they look different. And so you kind of have to navigate around that. You say, oh, well, you know, it's just uh, they're just here. I, I hand them to them. Like, look, you know, they're they're regular old cards. They just look different. So that's a misconception. The other one is, um, it's really easy to do what you just did. Let, let me just Google it. Right. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think if there's anything that would annoy me the most is just. Um, and 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 honestly, to the listeners out there, I don't experience this a lot. But every now and then, just a little bit of a lack of respect because. Um, unless you have a really good website with some video content or you can perform in the moment to prove to somebody what you mean by magician, uh, chances are they're not going to take you seriously and they're going to think you're like uh, uh, a grown kid who just does like a a trick with a quarter or something. So it it takes a little bit of proving uh, to, to make sure you get that, that across. Does it ever, uh, does it ever bother you if you're, you know, you finish an effect and it's like mind blowing and people are just totally stunned and then someone says, oh, I have a trick, and then they pull this really stupid thing that they can do that they've been doing for 30 years but is, like, super unimpressive. Does that ever happen? Um, it does happen, but it doesn't bother me if it's after, you know, the the reaction. Because as a performer, what we're looking for is is the reaction. Um, when you, The thing with magic that I love is um, picture your – you forget about magic and picture you're throwing a surprise party for somebody that feeling you have before the person arrives to the house you're like really giddy and you're like oh they're about to get here and they're gonna be so surprised and then boom there's that explosion of cheering and the person is surprised that's the feeling we have every single time we perform because we know it's gonna happen and seconds before the effect hits we have that feeling of oh they're gonna and then they get it and you feel great 
uh, as long as it's after the reaction. And typically it doesn't bother me because it, it, it puts it into comparison because you just did something, uh, a really uh, powerful effect uh, that, that took years of practice, uh, you know, and then they can pull out some cards and make three rows of 21 cards and, okay, cool. But uh, it, people are naturally just going to gravitate back to you. And, um, and it's okay because uh, you don't want to make it about you. It's really about the experience and the, the moment you're sharing with that group of people. So um, if someone has something to contribute, it's obviously not going to be as good as what I'm doing. So I'm not worried about it. Um, but then that's okay because it's kind of like, wow, look, magic is a, is a craft let's all it, it maybe inspires someone else to to learn it yeah I, well i think you just answered my next question too i was going to ask you know what do you what do you love most about the job and it sounds to me like a lot of it is uh the you know the the the, the punchline, right like the 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 landing of the effect um when you get that reaction from the crowd but what else i mean what's your favorite part of the job what do you love about the about the profession um yeah that's that's part of it i think another Part of it is um, I get to meet a lot of really cool people. Um, a lot of my friends in high school, the good friends that I still talk to, I've met because um, I was kind of shy. But then I walked up to them and I said, hey, can I, can I show you something real quick? And they were like, wow, that's really cool. And and I would have never been friends with them uh, had I not you know, uh, done magic for them. But I think meeting new people, having the, the ability to travel a lot and, and just take that talent with you, you're almost like a like a photographer, a photographer can travel the world and take snapshots of where they go. And, and with magic, it's very similar. I can get a feel for how people think or react in different parts of, of where they live. Um, but yeah, most importantly, it's that connection with people. It's, it's honestly electrifying, like to, to be able to, to pass that on, like, you know, what's about to happen and they may not always yell and run around. Some people react internally. Like, um, I, myself, when I watch a comedy, um, I could think it's hilarious, but I never really laugh out loud. I kind of just, you know, uh, kind of laugh under my breath. There are some people who just scream and they start laughing in the theater. Um, but I'm an internal uh, reactor. So when we walk out of the theater, they're like, did you not think that was funny? I'm like, no, I, I thought it was hilarious. What are you talking about? Uh, you know, so some people are more cerebral about it instead of physical and they uh, they express it differently. So um, when you're starting out, you think you failed because they, they're not like jumping around all giddy. And that's okay. You, you learn to, to, to find out that uh, people act differently. So definitely um, the best part is, is that surprise factor. But I also love you know, the other perks, like meeting people. Well, and I think, I mean, I, I react for the most part internally, but I, I do remember a couple of your, your effects where I'm like, I, you, you can't help it. It's, but it's just like, you know, you thought it was going to end up one way. You thought this is kind of where it was going. And then all of a sudden the card is across the room in a whiskey bottle. Like it's, you know, totally, totally <laughs> out of left field. Um, which is, I think that's, you know, for, for somebody who is, like you said, normally pretty internal like me, I think that's a big, uh, that's telling. I mean, when you see it, when you see something that kind of makes you shout like that, like it's, it's, it's something special. Um, okay. So I'm, I'm very cognizant of your time here. I know we're taking up a little bit more time than I, I thought we would, but my last question for you is, um, obviously you said you're just kind of starting out as a professional magician. Um, where do you want to be in five years? I mean, do you, do you want to do this full time? Do you want to do this? Do you want to tour across the country? Like, do you want to just kind of stay in Florida? What's your, what's your plan? Or if you have lack, lack of a plan, that's okay too. Um, but what are you, what are you sort of looking for? Uh, I, I think, um, I don't, I don't mind being in Florida, but I'd love to, um, explore elsewhere. Um, I think ideally what would be awesome would be uh, like a traveling magician. Maybe I'll be uh, in Dominican Republic today and tomorrow I'll be in New York. Um, but if I were at, to ever have a stationary plan, I would love to have um, like an intimate show 
Um, and and to go back to the stage versus street magic uh, concept, uh, this would be um, it has to be intimate because my my plan would be to it's a show that you would go to and pay for, but the experience is very street like where um, the the magic is close up and. Um, and so it's almost like going to like a high end venue. I'd, I'd like to. My vision of it is uh, having it to be, you know, premium, uh, luxurious, kind of like uh, I almost imagine it being in a hotel, like a high end hotel of some sorts. But uh, I'd love to have something like that that isn't as, um, you know, unpredictable as like uh, booking me for for you know an event. Um, but uh, ideally, besides that. I, um, I'd love to be, you know, to, to have other work as well, but also to to travel with my magic and be able to to, to do that too. On and the other dream is to also um, not be as famous as Blaine, but I'd love to uh, do like a a video special. Um, it probably won't air on TV or anything, maybe online, but uh, I'd love to put together uh, a, a video special, maybe like an hour long video um, showcasing like different people I perform to. But um, five years from now, for sure. Uh, a show that's uh, and this is very early concept, but uh, a show that is maximum 25 people every night and uh, very intimate, uh, a lot of close up magic, uh, something I can have a little bit more control over. That would be uh, very exciting for sure. Yeah, well, I think it sounds great. I mean, I've like I said, I've seen you do this close up. I have no doubt that it would be a hit. I think everybody, um, especially in a small venue, um, would totally have their mind blown. So. For people who want to look you up, um, can you tell us about your social media presence? Do you have a website? Do you have Twitter, Facebook, Instagram handles that people can follow you at? Yeah, so um, I'm mainly currently, as of this uh, podcast, very active on, most active on Instagram. And the handle is uh, Caesar A. Madeira. So uh, C-E-S-A-R-A-M-A-D-E-R-A. Um, and you can find me on there. My website's CaesarMadeira.com. So, um, and on the website... Uh, you'll be able to find like the majority of updates and uh, uh, the ever-growing presence on social media, especially in the future with uh, video platforms like uh, YouTube and, and Vimeo and things like that. Or, or if there's any bookings or shows, the website's probably going to be the best place to go to. And you can sign up for like a, a newsletter kind of thing on there. Perfect. Well, Caesar, thank you so much for your time. Um, I hope to have this podcast released in the near future. So hopefully everything that you just said is still accurate and we don't lose any of the... Uh, you know, I, I'd hate to release this after you have a show all of a sudden and it's kind of mistimed. But um, is there anything that I, that I miss that you'd like to add before we sign off? No, I, I think uh, I think we hit all the bases. Uh, I definitely really appreciate you taking the time to 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 ask me about my passion. It's uh, it's, it's it's an honor. I appreciate it. Well, thank you for coming on the show. We really uh, we really appreciate it.